I'm having this kind of aha moment of like, oh, I do pull so much from these so many other facets of my life that I am like kind of, I have a lot of other identities that I can pull from. So this is cool. Like you have to pull from like who you are outside of just the dancer. Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Devin Tusher, principal dancer with American Ballet Theater, a grounded star, and a true artist becoming. Here we go. Well, we would like to welcome you, Devin Tusher, to Artist Becoming. You have been an early advocate of our work, and it's so humbling, um, especially coming from a star like you, um, a young a young star, which is something that we would love to talk with you about. Um, but we thought it would be a good idea to just kind of ground today's conversation in the present and kind of meet you where you're at. It's been a wild ride of a year, we can even um, call it that, and we've all had time to kind of sit with ourselves, perhaps a little bit too long. Um, but in that, in that season of, of sitting and marinating, there's been a lot of opportunity for things to come up kind of naturally, things that we like about ourselves, things that we don't, um, things that we're learning about ourselves. And so uh, we thought it might be kind of a refreshing place to start is to ask you over this past year, what has kind of surfaced for you as either a lesson about yourself, something that you can now no longer want to live with or something that you can now no longer live without? Yeah. <laughs> what that was good. Live without. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Um, I do think my kind of uh, pandemic journey, if if that's what you want to call it, was maybe a little different than most dancers because I with basically within a week I got injured and flew home. I was here in California and flew home to get an MRI, and then the end of that week, the world like New York and the world oh. shut down. So mine, I think, again, mine was a little different because I was like my body and my, I was already in that state of like, okay, I'm not going back to this studio. I'm not going back to a theater for a while. Like, um, and as weird as it is to say, I think it was actually a blessing in disguise. Like Mm -hmm. any good time to have an injury, it kind of was the best time. Um, Yeah. Injury or baby. It's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) halfway along, I was like, now should I just have a baby? Should I just just it's a twofer (laughs) Um, but so it was interesting because I just think that yeah like I was so so focused on my injury and healing from that that I didn't really register like oh this is everything else is shut down and and you know like I was like okay you know at first we all I didn't I didn't know how long was this gonna last I was like it's gonna be a couple weeks or you know, or a couple months and in a couple months, I'll be back to my Met season performing. And, you know, in my injury, like, I was just like, I'm going to recover. I'm going to be quick. And yep. who knew that it would take a year to recover from my injury and that, you know, whether wow. that was like, I actually needed that time from, for the injury, I needed that amount of time or whether I was allowed that time to really re- recover from it because of the pandemic. I'm not quite sure, but regardless, it was a, a real blessing because wow. you know, I need to not like, push through what I maybe normally would have pushed to get back to. Um, 
so that was really interesting for me to kind of recognize it's like okay i i can take this time to really care for myself and and weirdly not feel like i'm missing out on anything right like i wasn't like oh no i'm missing out it was just like we're all in this um so interesting and then they felt like there was a point at which like with my injury i felt like okay the next step is to get back into a studio is to like kind of i need to start like progressing that way and um that is, I feel like when I hit the point, everyone else hit. <laughs> Got it. Caught up with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I was yeah. suddenly like, wait, we can't be in a studio. Wait, I can't be on stage. Like, wait, I can't p- keep progressing. And so I feel like I, at that point, a little bit further along, maybe or not than other people who knows, um, really started to kind of like grieve the loss of my career and the loss of like what I wanted to do and not being yeah. able to do it. And there was like some dark months where I was just like, I, you know, I was really grappling with grief. I think that was the biggest thing. And I, um, you know, I, I've seen therapists, like I've sought therapy out my whole life, but I, on and off. And at that point I was like, I need to seek someone out to help me through this because, um, I can't do it myself. I'm lucky. I know warning signs at this point in my life to know when I need to seek help. Um, Yeah. But it was just hard because I was just grieving this loss and it felt so unfair. And there was also a part of me that felt like so kind of stupid for feeling grief about it. Like I was like, there's people around the world dying. There's people doing really important, amazing things. And I'm kind of just sitting here sad that I can't dance. Like how silly does that feel? Um, But I had to do a lot of work on that and be like, that's okay to feel that way. You are grieving a loss. Like, um, yeah, just so many things to kind of process through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but so I definitely am really grateful to know that I like was able to seek someone out and get help through all of that and, and kind of just ride the wave. And like, it's such a roller coaster. It's such a wave. Like there are still days where I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, is this yeah. is worth it? Like, cause we know the arts are the last to come back. Like we're the last people to get like, bumped back into normalcy, whatever that is going to be. So there's still times, like even days every once in a while now where I'm just like, what am I doing? (laughs) Is this worth it? Does it have meaning? Why am I still trying to just like prance around in a studio when again, there's so many bigger things happening. So um, it's just waves and I've just learned to ride them. And I've learned to like accept that those things and those feelings and those thoughts are going to come up. Um, and then there'll be good days where it's like, I have so much purpose and I feel so like empowered and I feel very excited about what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, that was my journey. I don't know if I answered your question at all, but yeah. I think the biggest thing is just like learning to ride those waves and take them as they come and accept, like accept those feelings and feel, feel them, allow yourself to feel them, um, you know, we were, we were all experiencing this. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all in the same boat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's also some peace of mind is like, you're not the only one going through this. Um, so yeah. Yes. Love it. Million things that were just so relevant. So, so relevant. That's the wave girl. <laughs> yeah. She's in the tides. But, um, you know, grief came up as well. You know, Lauren spoke about grief a lot. And I think grief is sort of feels like this taboo thing that 
we don't want to acknowledge in ourselves because it's like, oh, grief is for someone else. I don't get to, I, I'm not worthy of feeling grief. Like someone else's grief is more more potent than mine. Like, like what's the scale of when something is grief and how do we know when that's what we're experiencing? And you, I would love to ask you, which is sort of a vulnerable question, but it's like, what were those signals to you? Cause you said, you know, now, you know, like what were the signs to you that were like, yeah, that's grief. And I'm going to dig deeper in, and understand what this is so I can heal it. I think that's one really powerful question of healing. And the other was this concept of as dancers, right. Feeling like, Oh, this is the purpose point. Like how you were speaking to, Oh, we're just dancing. But then at the same time, your soul is doing it. You know, it's your purpose and you've committed your entire life to it. So it's, it's, I guess the question there is how can we, I don't know, what would the question be around that Shelby around purpose and art and sort of our allowing ourselves to validate that? Yeah. I I think what came up for me during that part was I was thinking of all the times, like even during the height of my career, when I'd be like doing another performance of Aurora's Friends, like, what am I actually doing with my life over here? <laughs> you know, like one more. And you're kind of like, what's the, what is this? Yeah. I have to like skip with a garland, like one more, like, I just don't know who I am. Anymore, you know. <laughs> that being said, there's, you know, itty bitties that would give their, you know, anything for that opportunity. So I think so much of it is perspective, but I think also, I, so many of my close friends are, are not dancers, they're not artists, and they grapple with this idea of purpose so much so that um, a friend of mine even put it into the perspective of like, knowing your purpose is a luxury that a lot of people do not have or cannot afford. And it was just mind shattering to me because I was like, oh, well, I've always associated with my purpose. Like since I was a kid, I'm sure you have to, most, most artists have. Um, and then it becomes a little bit of a velvet handcuff because you're like, I know what it feels like to have and be leaning into my purpose. So I very much know what it feels like to not. And that, that little bit, that sucks. And it's magic. So it's like, ugh, it's tricky. That's great. That what you just said is so powerful. Like you said, it's so, we're so lucky and we, I feel like so honored and blessed that I have that to be able to say that I found my purpose. Not many people get to say that they get to do what they love to do every single day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like you, like you said, a lot of perspective comes into, into play there. I think in yeah. helping, helping align that. Um, I think Jessica, to your kind of your first question, question a is, um, I think, you know, um, I have a family history of a lot of, uh, uh, mental illness and a lot of depression. And so I grew up, like I said, kind of um, being aware of it and seeing it very firsthand, seeing um, how much it can affect someone's life. And also personally being terrified of it and being terrified mm -hmm. that it was like, this is going to sound well, but kind of like I was like a ticking time bomb, like just waiting for it to happen to me, like yeah. when am I going to experience this? Um, and so I had to do a lot of work on that growing up and feeling like, okay, it doesn't have to happen to me. Like you're, you could be completely normal and sane and fine and not deal with these things. But so um, through seeing other people deal with it, uh, I had really sought out tools to help me not to, not to get to those points and not to get to like the place where I can't help myself out. Yeah. Um, where I'm too kind of, these thoughts are weighing too much on me that are, they're stopping me from really like, um, 
moving forward with my life. Um, so I feel fortunate that it, as weird as it sounds to, to know that about myself and to have experienced those experiences that allowed me to um, know that about myself. And I think just like, yeah, I just saw those kind of warning signs with me that it was just these thoughts were just looping and they were just getting darker and darker. And mm -hmm. it's just like one thought just escalated to another thought, just escalated to another thought, escalated. And it's like, it, it almost become this like all or nothing kind of thinking and feeling that you can't get yourself out of. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when I was like, wait, 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 this isn't, this isn't healthy. This isn't me. And I, you know, I can't, I can't help get out of this loop right now. Yeah. And that's where I needed someone else to step in and help me. And that's actually where I had someone else, you know, a therapist help me really understand that what I was doing was grieving and what I was doing was going through grief and processing grief. And, um, and so allowing someone to name that for me and, or with me and label that with me and say, okay, this is what you're feeling. And this is what you're going through was really helpful, helpful and eye opening And, um, I think the hardest thing, like you said, is to accept that you're grieving sometimes, <laughs> especially because it, again, it felt so silly. Like it felt like, how, why yeah. am I grieving a career? Like, why am I grieving dancing? Um, there's, there's people that grieve loss of life and that's what grief is for. Like grief yeah. is things that are really big and important. And I feel silly for grieving this. Um, but I was, <laughs> yeah. And there's like to accept it. You have to just be like, that's the way um, you're feeling, and that's what is happening. Because also, because to Shelby, our point is that so much of um, my identity and so much of what I love and to do and my passion is tied into that that was being just swept out from underneath. So yeah, in that I also had to work on a lot of like my identity being tied into dance and being tied into a dancer and that it's not completely they're not one in one you know what I mean like it's so hard because so, yeah. so much of my life and even just to get to the point that you get to I think for me especially getting to the, be a pr principal dancer I feel like that's a level of really dedicating every aspect of your life and really like fully committing yourself which is a wonderful thing but it definitely um my identity was tied into that. <laughs> and so I had to do a lot of work this year being like, okay, you're so much more than just that. And like, what wow. does that look like? What does that um, feel like? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, still, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, who am I? I still don't know sometimes. But there are also times where I'm like, I'm this like kind of amazing person. I'm an amazing daughter. I'm an amazing sister. I have a great boyfriend, like all of these other things that I can label myself and say like who I am outside of just Devin the dancer has been really helpful for me to like ground myself in this throughout this whole year and just be okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Oh girl, that is just like, I just want to blast that from the rooftops because it's something that I grapple with to this day. I retired five years ago, you know, but I'm still, I'm still just kind of gripping that identity. And, um, one of my first jobs outside of my dance career was interning. Um, I did PR for Wendy Whalen's documentary, Restless Creature. That was a great film, by the way. Amazing. <sighs> It was so great. And what was heartbreaking for me about that film is that um, it really highlights the the reality, the dark realities of a very glamorous career. And that's not something that um, the center stages of, of media have ever pointed to or challenged us to sit with. 
And it was interesting because that movie didn't do as well with dancer audiences as they anticipated, which was shocking to me at first. And then I was like, oh, no, it's actually not because no one wants to think about that. They don't want to think about what's next. They don't want to think about their first death. You know, they don't they don't want to sit with the grief of realizing that their identity is fully inherently tied to their career. And but but guess what? Like, that's important, too. And it sounds like what you're speaking to is almost challenging yourself to think of it like an exercise, like entertain the idea of who Devin, the not, not just the dancer is. Um, and that's going to be like a lifelong practice and conversation for you as, as it is for each of us. But it's like, wouldn't it be great if that was more of like a socially conditioned exercise, you know, so that when, when we have like the career threatening injury or, you know, things don't go our way, that it doesn't seem like a, like a life cord is just being cut, you know, because that was a really important facet of who we are and, and only just one, one facet like of our diamond, you know? Yeah. That just kind of popped into my mind between this conversation that you two are having. The question was basically in relation to this identity crisis, basically that we all have. (laughs) Call it what it is. (laughs) Yeah. We're having an identity crisis um, for sure. But I think a question I have is like, because this is sort of an interesting angle on this, on seeking your identity outside of dance is, has there ever been a role for you that during the experience of becoming that role and rehearsing that role, you maybe healed or understood something about yourself outside of the role or brought something from your non-dancer self into it? You know what I mean? Like your non-dancer identity was maybe what empowered that role or, or, or the other, if that's not the case, the becoming of that role brought something out in your identity outside of a dancer. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. So I actually think that's a great question because I feel like in general, I think that's actually a really important thing to do is to, you have to do that in order to be an authentic, unique artist Right. Unless you're pulling from your own life experience, what are you pulling from? Unless you're able to say, like, I relate to this character in like the time. Like, there's obviously you're not going to relate relate to someone 100. percent But unless you can think, pull back and think about a character and think like, okay, what aspects of this this character can I relate to? What aspects can I like kind of pinpoint? And then really dive in on that point, right? Like there's so many facets to people (laughs) as we are just discussing, Um, but to characters that you can really like, you can pick one of five things to focus on. It's she's, they're not one dimensional characters ever. So I think in order to be authentic to yourself, which I really personally believe people can see if you're being, or can tell or can feel if you're being authentic or not, or if you're just copying or trying to do what someone else has told you to do, rather than do the work and think like, okay, how do I somehow relate to this, take Swan, this Swan character, how do I relate to this? Like, what can I, (laughs) so like, but unless you do that, it's so, you're not going to be an authentic artist or person. And so I actually very much, every time I do a role, I really, which is, I'm having this kind of aha moment of like, oh, I do pull so much from these so many other facets of my life that I am like, kind of, I have a lot of other identities that I can pull from. So this is cool. Um, But (laughs) I love that. Yeah. But like, you do need to do that. Like you have to pull from like, 
who, you know, who you are outside of just the dancer um, in order to make these things unique and authentic and meaningful and true to you. Because mm -hmm. um, like I said, people can tell, you can tell. Yeah. So. Yes, and I think it just reminds me of, I do remember I had a teacher that was like my dear, he was my private coach and he, he would always say to me, it was like a little bit younger when I was at San Francisco Ballet, I was a trainee and I was really myopic about my approach to dance. And I just felt like I couldn't, I, I was, I was the most extreme version of a bunhead. And so for me, it was like, you can't, nothing outside, like no boys. Like I had all these really extreme roles <laughs> and this one teacher who just adored me, he would just pull me aside and be like, you gotta go, like, you gotta go live your life. Like I'm going to keep a PG, but he would just be like, you've got to live, you have to live. And I think that the message is, we're not saying to, it's like an actor. You don't need to go method and play a drug addict to, and be a drug addict to play a drug addict, but it's, you are pulling from a well of very personal experiences. And it sounds like you have done so much, you've held so much space for yourself to, to feel the range of all of Devin's full selfness and, and you can translate that into your art form. And I think being a therapist and like doing that work, it's getting to know yourself. It's getting to then have more tools to bring into your artistry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Devin, I'm just so enlightened by you in so many ways. And I'm thinking about how ABT is historically slow to promote. Um, and you are sitting on a shelf with, um, with stars that are significantly older and more seasoned than you are. And here you are sitting, talking about your process. And you've mentioned the word a few times now, and, and that's also the week that we find ourselves in within the workshop, the, the process, which is, you know, metabolizing our setbacks, our injuries, our, our weaknesses, and kind of understanding who we are through that nitty gritty, which is like 90% of the career. Um, or 90% of the day in the day, um, in a life. And so I'd love to know how you've maintained that sense of ground. You're clearly just like an old soul and, and so mature, but sitting on a shelf with people that have had more life experience than you, um, this is not something that you learn in ballet school. It's not, it's not something that a summer intensive is going to give you in your tool belt. What have you done to stay grounded in that space? And how have you maintained a sense of um, self-worth, you know, to be on the same stage as artists that are, you know, you're now you're not just reaching up for the stars, you're reaching across them. These are your colleagues, these guys, and they're your equals and your peers. Um, I'd love to know a little bit about that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sometimes I'm still like, it, this is going to sound weird to say, but sometimes I'm still like, am I really like somehow, did I really make it here somehow? Like what, <laughs> you know, like, I had, like in the, yeah, girl, you did. <laughs> I was never that girl that was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a principal ballerina of American Ballet Theater. Like I know this for a fact. It was very much like that is an amazing goal. And that's all I would ever want <laughs> to do. But also who knows, like at the end of the day, I can't control that. All I can do is like work my hardest and it might not happen, but so there's still a lot of times where I have to like, where I just have to accept it. And I'm like, okay, wow. Like I am here. Um, and I did make it and this is amazing. Um, 
sorry, I feel like I got off track there a little bit. But like, um, no, that's part of it. Part of it is, is accepting that you're worthy of, of the responsibility of your role in your company. Totally. Totally. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a weird, it feels like a weird position to be in suddenly where you're kind of like this at the lead, you're like at the top of the company and you're kind of in this position of leadership and suddenly you're like, people are looking to you, right, for inspiration. And I'm like, but wait, I, I'm still looking to other people for inspiration. That's awesome. But like you said, it's very much about like um, uh, staying grounded and staying like um, open and really receiving everyone and everything openly and honestly and trying to just like um, soak up as much as I can. It, and honestly, I don't even like, it doesn't matter if, the court of ballet apprentice, like I learn so much from everyone and I, and I watch everyone and I, I'm constantly like growing, just learning, being in class with younger dancers. And, um, so I think for me, that's really important is like, no matter where you are, you're always, you can always keep learning. You can always keep growing. There's more to learn. There's more to, more to do. Um, and it can come from every angle. Like it does not always mm -hmm. come from the top. It does not always come from the same person. So just remaining really open and remaining really available to growth and available to be able to take in um, information from any any place, I think is really important, especially as like you do become more at the top, I hate to say that, like that seems, just seems weird to say that, but at the top, I feel like it's, you can become very closed-minded and become very like, I'm here, I've made it. Yeah. And now is actually the opposite time. Like now is where you need to keep growing. You need to keep going. And you, you I feel you have more responsibility to keep going at that point um, and keep learning and getting better and growing and opening yourself. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the ballet world needs more principal dancers with that mindset. I think it's go. I think it's going that way. I do, but like exhibit A, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky because ABT really does. I feel very lucky because ABT is a is a great company, and I feel like it has evolved over the last since I over the last many years since I've been in the company. Um, <laughs> and it it really is a place of like true support and love and growth, and I feel that with everyone in the, in the company. And so I feel very lucky because like you're saying, we need more principal dancers like that. But I feel like all of the principal dancers at AVT are like that. So it's cool to yeah. be surrounded by people like that all the time. Um, and I feel lucky for it. Yeah. And then I think, I think the sort of harder question is how do we become open, right? So how for you, like, what does that look like in terms of how do you keep yourself in a state of, I mean, I, you've sort of said it throughout the course of this conversation, which is that you acknowledge where you're, you wor you're working to acknowledge where you're at in your body and in your mental health and you're proactive to, to, to seek help when you need it so that you can keep this container that's open. But has there been things that for you have been impactful in that way, whether it's inside the workshop, we have meditation, we have yoga, but sometimes it's maybe it's conversations like intimate community conversations, or there's a friend you have or that you can rely on to like energetically kind of keep that or maybe it's something completely outside of the art form that is actually your solace, you know, is there what might that be for you? Yeah, 
I feel like I have two kind of routes I could take with this question. So I'll maybe try them both quickly. But like when you were first asking that question, what kind of popped in my mind is a lot of, like you were saying, staying open. But a lot of that for me has, especially just like, we're speaking like ballet technique and like technical like steps and whatever that is. Um, It's very much, I find it's really important to, and I think you've spoken about this in um, some of your workshops is, is it's really important to know yourself and to know, like take a deep dive and look like, what are your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and what are your strengths? And then like, use those, (laughs) you know what I mean? In order to know what you, what you're actually like not very good at. Cause also those are the first things that we can easily tap into, right? All of us can be like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. Yep. I'm not good at this, right? Like that's, right. we can all just, that's how we've been conditioned to live our life. Um, and so, but it's important to know those things because once you know those things, then you can think, okay, well, if I'm not good at this, what am I, what am I good at? And what, mm-hmm. can, I make, what can I make like important in Maximize. This? Yeah. So like, I remember first, the first time I was told I was going to be doing again, Swan Lake, we'll talk about Swan Lake. I remember that was the first principal role I was um, doing. I was a soloist and they were like, you're going to do Swan Lake. And I was like, wow, dreaming come true. Amazing. But also like, whoa, yeah, I don't think I can do that. Like (laughs) I thought to myself, like, that is not me. One, you know, I have when you think of, when I think of Swan Lake or when I thought of Swan Lake, I thought of like this really crazy, like extension, flexy, bendy kind of dancer. And I was like, that is not me. Like, I I know that, like hands down, that's not me. I'm not very flexible. Like I don't have legs that go up to here. Like (laughs) that's just- You fooled me, girl. (laughs) You do. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there, it's, it's just there's varying levels. Obviously, yeah. that like my image of what that was supposed to look like was your leg was supposed to go here. Yeah, and I was just like, I, I had to at a certain point, and I was so um, kind of daunted by that that I wouldn't even allow myself to think that I was capable of it. Like, I was just like, I can't do this. This isn't for me. I'm not good enough. It's not going to look right. It's not going to look the way it should look. Um, and then I had to be like, wait, okay. So I'm not good at that. And that's not going to happen, obviously. Like my leg's not going to be here. And we can just face that fact. Like, like point blank, not okay. They gave you this role for a reason and you're here. So like, if your leg's here, what can you bring to the, to the, to the story? That's actually, what can you do that is actually going to like make this really special for you? How can you make this different that is unique and special and important to you? And that's where I was saying before you pull from your, um, your life and you pull yeah. like, okay, so I'm not doing this, but what am I going to, what does this tell? So what story does this tell? Instead of just going like this, like <laughs> what does this say that this does? And it's weird to say, but like, that's what I've, I feel like because of my limitations physically that I feel I have, again, it might not look that way to other people, but to me, because of what I feel I have physical limitations in, I've actually been able to tap into other strengths which is my artistry and which is like things that I really, I find so fulfilling and important in the art form that I find are lacking because there's so much physical ability now um, that it just was a real transformation moment for me of being like, okay, I have so many other amazing strengths and amazing qualities to bring to this. Like let's tap into those and let's make those, um, just as valuable and just as important as this. And, yes. um, 
And so that was like a really cool moment for me in my career. And, and then it's just been something like ev basically every time I'm told I have a role, I still have that thought in my mind, like, you're not really good at that. Like, <laughs> but it's also these stories we tell ourselves, right? We're yeah. like, this is what this is supposed to look like. But that doesn't, that's, that's who says that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just what you're saying it's supposed to look like, but that's not what it is all the time. And we want to see different art and we want to see different interpretations because that's interesting. Right. You know, it's, it's important to have people of different physical abilities or different physical features or all of these things bring their artistic interpretation into the table because that's interesting. Um, so that was kind of the first thing that popped into my head with that question. You talk about that if you want to for a second, but so spot on and it's so that's not ballet specific like that is across every art form if that same rule applies it's what's the story we're telling ourselves what's the negative pattern the negative narrative that we just love to cling to mm -hmm. to hide behind because it's easy to just hide into the fear and if we release that and we move towards our strengths what are we, what's our interpretation, our intention, and what are we bringing to the table? And it's the same in a musical theater audition. It's like, you're not going to, maybe you can't hit the high C, but maybe you're going to sing your eight bars and you're going to say something through your emotion that is ex speaks to the character more than the person who hit that note. And they, and then you get, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And um, yeah, that was just, so spot on. I just like my body's buzzing. I think Shelv, in these, when we hear this from artists like you, it, it makes our bodies buzz because it's like food. It's just food for artists. Like it's. Yeah. And so much of it is permission. And that's something that even as adults, like I teach yoga all the time. And like, when I see, when I see people's bodies response to, to saying something like, you know, permit yourself to land here. And I just see them go, you know, and it's like, you're permitting yourself to reframe and create a, re a new story around a narrative. And we talk about reframing a lot and the power of that in, you know, our self-talk that like, that's really the only thing we have control over is like the story we're telling ourselves. And I think that there's just, you know, again, not something that you learn at bar, but a very discerning element of what creates a successful and sustainable artist and, and supports and supplements their journey through their careers. Because as you said, there's so much talent out there. I mean, ride the New York City subway one time and you'll see it, you know? It, and so the, the discernment comes with like, well, well, what else do you, what are the other tools in your belt that are going to help you navigate, you know, a, a historically unfair, political, very difficult career path? What's going to set you apart? And these are the things the reframing, the self-worth conversation, the dive deep, the look at yourself in the mirror and look at the hard stuff and then sit in that for a minute, the seek help, the know when to seek help. Like all of those things are just like, that's the good, that's the jam, that's the jam. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wait, okay, so what was the second way that you were gonna, yeah, <laughs> circle back. Remember, I'm <laughs> like, I can't even remember. But something that just came up when you were speaking, Shelby, is just, something I feel very strongly about. And over the last year, I feel very like strongly that I try and help young dancers understand is, is how do we teach young dancers from the bar, from the beginning yes. to 
find their voice and use their voice because that's really what it comes, not really what it comes down to. There's a lot of it, but like what I feel I'm able to do now is because I've reached a position where I feel comfortable making those choices. I feel comfortable Mm -hmm. having a voice. I feel I have this place to do that, but I just, something I really wish that we as a culture could start to do is start to teach that from a young age and start to teach dancers to use their voice from the beginning and find their voice from the beginning and challenge them to think about themselves in, in different ways and, and stand up for themselves. And that's something we don't do. (laughs) And then it breeds these dancers who are just kind of like bodies that go through the motions. And then you hit this point where you have an opportunity to make a choice and you don't know what to do. You're, you're frozen. You're frozen because you just, and, or or you have an opportunity to speak up for yourself and you're frozen because you, you've never been taught how to do that. And so something I feel so strongly about is just like trying to empower young dancers to use their voice and find their voice. Um, especially now, just because we have no choice now, like you, and no one's going to do it for you. Like you have to learn how to do that. And, um, so it's something I've been trying to learn how to do and learn how to change within the culture. And I don't know how to do go about it best, but I think it's really important thing that we do. And the work you are doing, both of you, I think is really helpful. And that's why I've been like reposting it all and sharing because I think it's all of what you're saying is so important for young dancers to hear and to understand and to like really process and try and bring forward. Um, So, yeah. Yes. Yes receiving that so much I think you're doing it already and then you're doing it by modeling um yeah you're being yeah because if people aren't like if ways of showing up for yourself for your company for your career are not modeled then you know out of sight out of mind people don't know what they're missing or they don't know that they could have had that conversation for themselves or they didn't know that it was even you know a possibility to open your mouth and speak words even though you're an expert nonverbal communicator, you can also use your words and um, and modeling that from a place of a lot of response. We got with responsibility, um, being in a leadership role from a young age in a in a globally recognized company is no it's no short order. Like that's a really big deal, and then it's like a big deal on top of a big deal. And you're showing up in a way that is so aligned with the work that you've done, the work that you're continuing to do and the work that you're committed, you know, to up leveling and, and driving into the direction that we believe so wholeheartedly it has the potential to go and, and needs to go to, to feel like a more, to, to destigmatize, you know, all of the kind of hardships around an artist's career. And, and as well, something you just said, Devin, was, I think it's the work, it's what we have to work on is in terms of, empowering the young dancers is that such a big part of it is knowing your strengths and what makes you unique and individual in, in an industry where there are certain like laws around this goes here, this goes there, get in line. Oh, you're out of line. So there's <laughs> like the amount of times it was like, you're, I was always out of line. <laughs> the seven, eight, like to do a quick slow. And it's like, it's not quick slow. It's actually just on the beat, you know? so <laughs> over the god mic, I can hear it now. Like you're late, you're late. I'm like, no, I'm milking the moment. But like, I'm making a choice, okay? Yes. A choice. Yes. But you know, okay, we can't always make the choice. 
Um, sometimes we are working as a unit and then that's what makes it hard when you kind of rise through that. It's like now make a choice, Devin. And you're like, make a choice. No. (laughs) How do we foster? Like, how do we nourish? It's about, yeah, helping dancers from the beginning to understand those things that make you stand out, those things that make you unusual, those weaknesses that you rewrite into your strengths, like they really matter and you can hold on to those while also standing in line and shaking in that B plus. But like, you know, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. There's an exercise that we kind of experimented with offering in the second week um, of the workshop, which is if you had to pitch yourself to yourself, what would you say? Like, I, I, you want me to hire you, Devin. So why should I hire you? Go ahead. Lay it on me. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not comfortable to sit there with our gifts, you know, but at the end of the day, like in this industry, we have to, because we're our only advocates, you know? Um, so you can sit on that one and text me later. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've spoken so eloquently and just so inspired by your voice and your openness and how you're embodying that and how you're clearly so intentional about wanting to continue the journey of becoming and of continuing to empower yourself and others through that. It's very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. Trying. To, to come full circle, Devin, um, how is your injury recovering and how has that been getting back into the studio for you? Are you experiencing, we talked last week a little bit about like re- the re-entry anxiety that is very real. Can you just, we want to tie things up with that a little bit? You both, you nailed that one on the head. I'm just going to say, I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. My injury is great. I'm feel fully recovered. You know, obviously there's little things here and there, but generally I feel very, very good on that front. Um, but yeah, re-entry anxiety is like major, I think, especially coming out of this year of a pandemic. It's so strange. And I think one of the, one thing that has been really interesting or two kind of, I'll just talk about one thing that's been kind of interesting is, is, you know, it's, I'm so grateful and so happy to be getting back into the studio with my um, colleagues here in Orange County and a few times just in the studio. It's been so wonderful and I'm so happy to see them. But then to, there's part of me feels like there's this like weird elephant in the room that's like, we've also all dealt with this really hard thing all year, but how do you kind of, how do you it just feels like a weird elephant in the room because yeah. we're not addressing it. We're just like, oh, yay, we're back. We're so happy. But no one's saying like, oh, but how are you? And there's not the time to say, but how are you? Are you like, how was this year for you? It's just we're back suddenly. And so oh. that's a weird thing for me to deal with is is um, how to navigate that kind of uh, space and navigate feeling happy and grateful and feeling like I continue to work and, and get back in the studio, but also not neglect that this, this year has happened. Um, yeah. and that a lot of us have dealt with a, a lot of really hard things. Um, so it's just been, and, and I don't know that I have the answer for it. <laughs> it's just yeah. been something I've really recognized in myself and I've recognized, I've spoken with a few other friends about it and it's just, it's something I think that um, will take some time to kind of figure out how 
as we all start to get back into the studio, because now it's just small numbers of people. So, but as everyone starts to kind of get back in for for ABT, at least it's such a large company that, um, you know, maybe we'll be able to navigate that better, but it's just, it's a strange thing for yeah. me to, to feel. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to that, when it comes to like, do I address it? Do I not? Do I say anything? Do I, you know, yeah. like, but I also want to do this combination and it's like, you know, like, and, and we're in the middle of class. So this feels strangely inappropriate, mm. but also, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's such a real thing. You just reminded me of something I heard recently on um, Peloton. I, I've become obsessed with Peloton. Um, but one of the instructors said that we need to leave room for what she referred to as amorphous grief. Um, and I guess that brings this conversation kind of full circle. Um, this idea that we can allow ourselves to reconcile holding gratitude for our health, being back in the studio, you know, our family, our togetherness, all the things that we do have. And in one hand, and the other hand, just like literally grief, call it what it is, allow yourself to feel it, you know, loss takes a lot of different forms and allowing yourself to hold both of these things at the same time. And that's just so uncomfortable because it's very like incongruous and it feels maybe inauthentic to just be like, yeah, here, I'll go, I'll do this adagio again. But you're also, but also like, how, how the hell are you? You know, that's just like, you know, and there should be space for that. There, like, we need to hold space for that and we can't, which is how elephants in the room form, you know, it's when we don't know how to hold space for something. So you just kind of like, you just kind of petite allegro around it and that's awkward. <laughs> I'm gonna like pot a shawl for that awkward conversation and you know um but I think again just per permitting yourself to feel all the feels and you know one one day at a time and one maybe smaller intimate conversation on the side or after or before whatever um at a time kind of feel your way back into a new normal um but it's that courage of not pretending like everything's back you know or the courage of facing up to what could potentially be like an uncomfortable or a sad conversation, because that's the human experience that translates so well. I mean, I can't wait to see the interpretations of like Juliet and black Swan. And so after this kind of year, are you kidding? Oh my God, I'm going to be out of my skin. And I also think Shelby and, and Devin, I think something Shelby and I have been talking about and you just sort of nailed it was that in that company environment, there's a task at hand and your employees and they, you know, maybe those, the companies and schools aren't necessarily don't have the tools themselves to say, Hey, like, we know this all just happened. Here's something made for you to, we're going to do rehearsal over here and we do that best. And here's like a space and a container to do the healing and to support you. And like, I think that's just, you just kind of dripped down to our why a little bit, like, with Shelby, that's what we're so hoping to create is to normalize spaces that are for exactly that. And I feel really inspired that you spoke to the crave and like the thirst or the acknowledgement that you're sensing that need, you know, and that you're showing up to be a part of those communities. Yeah, because that's <laughs> yeah. Yes, we feel like we we're like, yes, come inside, come inside. <laughs> yeah yeah oh, thank you thank you for creating these spaces because they're needed and I am really appreciating them and yeah it's been wonderful so thank oh my you. god we're so grateful so grateful so humbled by you cannot wait to watch the continued ascent 
of your becoming um, and just honor you today, Devin. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you.